If you want a great conversation with a Philadelphia sports figure you should know more about, listen to one-on-one with Matt Leon on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Philadelphia's Asian American, Pacific Islander, and immigrant and refugee community is super eclectic, a lot like the city itself. There's such a rich history there, and they've made a lot of important contributions to the city that have made it a better place to live. I'm proud of what I did in the service. The Chinese Americans served their country with honor. It's important that we get to know each other because sometimes when you don't know people, then you don't get to love them, right? I'm proud to say that I was the first Filipino-American Miss Philadelphia. So when I make those appearances, young girls can see that I can be a leader as well. But like with any marginalized group, members of Philadelphia's AAPI population have faced challenges. Growing up as like an Asian American in America is like not the easiest thing. Being able to do this and show that you know we actually are capable of doing great things is definitely an honor. I'm Brian Seltzer. I'm Sabrina Boyd Circa. With Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month winding down, we're going to take a moment to celebrate some of the amazing voices from Philly's AAPI community with KYW anchor Denise Nakano. And Denise has once again put together a special series for AAPI Heritage Month. It's called Asian Americans Making Their Mark. You can find a link to it in our show notes. And Denise is here to share some of these stories with us now. Hey, Denise. Hey, it's good to be with you again. And yeah, this is an important series for me. I started it when I started at KYW full-time last year. And I thought that during that time, it was the height of the pandemic. There was a lot of anti-Asian sentiment. And I felt like it was important to elevate voices this is something we do, right? And I thought it was important to highlight the work of local Asian Americans right in our community. Because, you know, one of the the problems I think that sometimes people of Asian descent face is, is that your voice gets muted or lost. That seems to be an issue, you know, sometimes. And so, so hey, I'm, I'm you know, have this platform. I might as well use it, right? <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> So to better understand why Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month is so necessary, let's why don't we revisit some of our past and better understand our past. We're going to go through some of these stories that you've profiled over the last couple of weeks. Let's start with Harry Jung, whom to me seems, Denise, like living, breathing history. He's a living, breathing history lesson. Yeah, he's a 97-year-old man. He was born and raised in Philly in uh, the Chinatown area. And uh, he is just a fantastic guy who grew up in his teenage years when the Chinese Exclusion Act was there. And it really kept people who were of Chinese descent from becoming citizens, from even coming into the country. The whole history of Asian Americans and Asians in the U.S. have and the racism that they faced has, has gone back way, way back. And some of our, our Chinese Americans have been the first to see that. But so he was all of 17, turning 18 years old. He heard something on the radio about this bully Hitler causing some problems. And he says, you know what, I'm going to join the army. And so he just entered and wanted to do his part and was a messenger, was a, was a key figure during um, World War II and fought, you know, in Europe. Chinese Americans served their country with honor. I'm proud of what I did in the service. I live in day by day. Nothing bothers me now. Long overdue. 
It wasn't until I think 75 years after World War II that he was given the Congressional Gold Medal for his service during World War II, as of as were many Chinese Americans given that award. A lot of them were not recognized at the time. And so it was important that he became a figure of, of so many. I think it was uh, 20% of eligible Chinese Americans at the time, and that was higher rate than any other kind of people of any other background, entered the service willingly and voluntarily during World War II because they wanted to prove their patriotism. And, and that's what I find, you know, what, what is a great story, too, about Harry Jung. How did he reconcile other things that were happening to Chinese people, Asians that were trying to enter the country. Did you guys talk about that? Were these difficult things for him to reconcile? You know, even his own personal experience facing acts of racism growing up, you know, as a young person, he was only 17 at the time when he decided to join the army. I think what the focus becomes is is you want to do your best to prove yourself and to prove your patriotism. So despite all these things that are happening to you, you're, you know better and you're, you're going to fight for your right you know, to be to be in this country to prove that you belong here. And so that's really what he focused on, not a, on the bad stuff that happened, but focused on what he could do to uh, prove himself and as a, as a countryman. Incredible. So fortunate to have someone who can still speak to that period of our history and put a face, a life with some of those experiences that Asians went through in the United States and what Asian Americans observed. We know Philadelphia is a hugely diverse city, and I think one of the takeaways from following your series, Denise, is that it's not one size fits all for Asian Americans. Within this community, there's so much diversity. I mean, just across the board, uh, people of Asian descent cross 30 ethnicities and nationalities through our country. So when sometimes people say, hey, that person, I can't tell that person from that person or everyone's all alike, that is that it couldn't be furthest from the truth. You've got people who come in from different backgrounds, even how people have gotten to this country. You have Asian Americans who've been here for generations who don't speak any other language but English, but sometimes they're looked at what, what language you speak or where are you really from, which is a pet peeve. And then there are people who are newer immigrants who came from war-torn countries. And the reason why they're here and what they're going through it really develops and, and has a lot of influence on how they're living today. You know, when you look at somebody and, and there's a model minority myth that all fits into this too with people thinking everyone's the same here, that is is dangerous because you're blanketing and, and looking at somebody and saying, okay, they're successful, whatever, they probably are smart, they go to college, but that's not true. There's, there's a big chunk of Asian Americans who have immigrated to this country recently who are struggling, who are living below the poverty line, who are not college educated and, and are having a difficult time and are struggling. So if you paint everyone as being successful and not having any problems, then their voices are muted. And so that's the problem. It really is people from very diverse backgrounds, people who, who have different cultures, languages, foods. You know, you can't sit two people together. And I heard a story a long time ago about a teacher placing two people of Asian descent together, they were completely different. One was an Asian-American. One had just come in from, you know, Southeast Asia and expected them to somehow communicate because they're both Asian. You know, it's that kind of misperception that that I, I think is good to address. And it's also good. That's why I wanted to do this series, because I thought it was important to let people know that there are so many people of different backgrounds who are diff doing different things in this city that it's important for people to know about. Yeah. And this is a theme that came up when you talked to Elaine Fakara specifically. 
Elaine Ficarra. She is a 21-year-old Miss Independence. She's a former Miss Philadelphia, and she's a singer. She's an entertainer. She's an aspiring doctor who goes to Drexel, who has a pre-med student. She has so many things going for her. She's the first Filipina-American who was Miss Philadelphia. It's important for her to be a diverse voice, to be somebody who's somebody can look at her and say, hey, I can do that too, you know, to be that that role model because she is a first. She also in her platform is raising awareness about suicide prevention, which is this is Mental Health Awareness Month as well in the month of May, as well as Asian American and uh, Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Several years ago, I lost a close friend to suicide. And on the outside, he had the most contagious smile, the warmest hugs. And he was actually my partner for Philippine cultural dancing in my local nonprofit organization. It was just so heartbreaking to know that on the inside, he was struggling with mental health struggles and with his family and school and whatever it is that unfortunately caused him to take his own life. She is just doing so much work, kind of, you know, getting out there and and raising awareness about her background, about the Filipino community, being on a, a national, international stage because she is competing also for uh, Miss America. And she also sings, dances, entertains, and she, you know, she's going to become a doctor someday. So pretty amazing stuff. That's amazing to have someone of Asian descent be a candidate for Miss America. You know, you think about what America looks like, and it looks like so many different things. So why not? But I'm sure that it's been a long journey through history to to get to that point. Exactly. And I think that it's important, and it's important for her to be that diverse face, because why not? Being American is not being European, it is being of all different diverse backgrounds, and we, we see it, and, and yet sometimes people have the misconception that you have to look a certain way, and that's just not the case. So it's wonderful for her to be in the spotlight and to shed light on that. A few months ago at the Winter Olympics in Beijing, an Asian-American from Bucks County did the Philadelphia area and his family proud. We'll talk more about that with Denise Nakano after this. I'm Brian. I'm Sabrina. The Winter Olympics, of course, were held in Beijing a few months ago. And one of the things that I love about the Olympics is it's a time of discovery. You have these stars who seemingly emerge out of nowhere, and they have these incredible narratives that you fall in love with and you feel compelled to follow. I had never heard of Andrew Heo before the 2022 Winter Olympics, and he's from right here in our backyard. And I was just learning about him, too. He did really step it up, and he was is from Warrington, Bucks County, grew up there. His father runs a couple auto body shops in North Philly. So he's born and bred here. He really was determined based on seeing his cousins skate and then seeing his older brother get into the Olympics. And he, being the younger guy and looking up to these guys, really pushed ahead for his own dreams with the support of his father, who worked at the auto body shop, but also his mother, who drove him to Maryland and stayed with him in Salt Lake City, Utah, for training. So there was a big family effort, and he goes back when I talked to him, talking about that family support and how he wouldn't be able to be here at this point unless he had that support. I still, right now, it still feels like surreal to me sometimes when I think about it. Yeah, it's... it's uh... It's hard to grasp sometimes, but I think definitely proud, definitely feeling very like uh, accomplished, you know, all the hard work paid off, all the hard times, especially with my family and everything like that, what we had to do and go through. I think it just call it, like goes back to the fact that, you know, 
this was like a family effort. So for him, it was about his faith. It was about his family support and about also being different. You know, in the world of speed skating for the Olympics, he may not be unfamiliar face. There, there are Asian Americans, a lot, of, a lot of them in speed skating. But I think that being on an international platform, being actually representing Team USA, because there are also misconceptions sometimes, oh, what, what country are you, you know, representing? And uh, for him to represent Team USA was really one of his highlights. The other thing, too, is you have Elaine and Andrew who are right around the same age. And these are young I say kids. Is that allowed? Are they kids? I think they're I'm in my mid 30s. Well, I mean, kids. they're now they officially like adults. You know, Andrew just turned 21. Elaine's 21. Young adults. Yeah, yeah young, young adults. adults. But they have I'm drinking um, age now. Yes, of course, of course. <laughs> an important distinction. But they have these platforms. They now have notoriety and recognition. What's it like for them carrying some of this with them? I mean, they're on a, they're publicly recognized in different scopes, but that's something that they're carrying now around with them too. Is it empowering to them? Oh, I think very empowering. You know, Elaine talks about it, and I think she's always been in the middle of the spotlight, so she's used to that. She's used to having people come up to her and and recognizing her and, and being that representation. I think it's newer for Andrew, but he also gets tickled by it. He gets tickled by the fact that parents with young kids come up to him and they go, are you real? I, I saw you on TV skating. Are you actually real? And, and people have come up to say that. So for him, it's not only empowering, but it's it's allowing him to want to give back. So now he's thinking, okay, what can I do to pay it forward? What can I do to coach more and, and try to teach these kids just like how my family supported me? I want to be out there for these kids who aspire and dream like, like I, I did. So he's doing his part to to coach and to be now setting his sights on Salt Lake City for not only his training, but also to lift up younger people who see themselves in him. Looking at yet another subset of the Asian population, all very different within that big umbrella, the Indonesian population in Philadelphia has grown in recent years. And you talked to Sinta Penyami Storms, who is helping Indonesians get acclimated in the area. She is. I mean, there's a big Indonesian, American Indonesian immigrant population in the greater Philadelphia area, also in the city. I think there's 5,000 Indonesians in South Philadelphia alone, and then in the greater Philadelphia, even more, maybe another 5,000, according to Sinta. But she talks about the importance. I mean, she started 10 years ago her nonprofit called Modero and Company, and basically it raises the visibility of the Indonesian culture through uh, dance and also through food. And she thought this was important because she's really proud of her culture. And, and they, they do have a, a saying. It's called Gatong Rayong. Gatong Rayong. And that's a, a traditional Indonesian value that means mutual assistance. So you not only help somebody else, but they help you back. It's really community-oriented, very hospitable. I think in our very own community, there are still a lot of things that needs to be addressed, things like language access, because some of our elders still don't really speak English well, right? So these are the things that we always try to help the community. So whenever there's an event or if there's any, um, some sort of information from the city, a lot of the Modero dancers actually would come and help doing some interpretation in the community, whether that's verbally or we would help translate some documents. Um, and then the other thing is just resources. It's not really 
um, shared. I think there's no equity in resources when it comes to the Indonesian community. Some people still not sure who are the Indonesian community in South Philly because we are they are living with other immigrant and then also other community of color. So it's really hard to tell who's Indonesian and who's not Indonesian, right? Now she has the power to spread the word about the culture so it's not lost, especially with the young people. She wants to pass this on. Beautiful culture, beautiful, you know, fashion, costumes, food, just the way of life. And she wants to make sure it doesn't go away. You know, the Asian American, Asian immigrant population is one of the fastest growing in Philadelphia. And so it's really important, you know, to to elevate these voices, to let let people know, hey, there's various backgrounds and cultures that exist. And, you know, we talked about how not everyone's the same and everyone has different experiences and everyone also has different struggles. If you're okay with it, let's turn the tables for one moment. Okay. We'll talk about you. (laughs) Put the spotlight on Denise. Oh, no. Oh, no. I got stuff to (laughs) (laughs) know. What are you most proud of? With your Asian American heritage, yeah, I'm really proud of my family's background. I'm actually the first person in my family to go to college, and a lot of people would probably assume otherwise that I don't come from such a modest background that I did. But my family, also being of Japanese descent, and I'm fourth generation. You know, I had my father, who was a young boy; he was a toddler. Grandparents, uncles, aunts that were incarcerated during World War II along with 120,000 other Japanese-Americans and and people of Japanese descent. So for them to come back in to rebuild their lives, I also had an uncle who was part of the 442nd, highly decorated, you know, and to be able to just move forward generationally, you know, pick up where things were taken from you and experiencing my own bout with anti-Asian sentiment, because I have experienced it too. People may think, oh, you probably were immune to that. I'm not. And neither was my family. And to be in a spot where I am right now, talking to you on the Johncast and being with KYW News Radio and being being able to be a voice to empower, to being on this side of it so that people can now see you and see you as a figure of, of, of sorts. And for those who haven't heard it, I'll point back to our episode on April 5th on your whole family's history in Japanese-American internment camps. You shared a little bit of your experiences, too, especially during – COVID with the uh, anti-Asian hate that is out there. And it was, for me, a really moving conversation. So I'm going to say, if you want to hear more, that's a good thing to go listen to. And we really, really appreciate you being so open and sharing all of this, Denise. Hey, anytime. I love coming on. And you know, you know, whenever you ask me, I am right here. So anytime you need me, I'm here. Again, you can check out these stories and more from Denise's Asian Americans Making Their Mark series at the link in our show notes. And it is a Friday, so before we say so long and head into what is hopefully for everyone a very enjoyable Memorial Day weekend, let's check out this week's Udo Haiku with the one and only Justin Udo. There's just so much to dig on with that. And I was um, just looking and trying to to research um, just local um, Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders who had a, a big impact in Philadelphia just as individuals. And I really, I saw a number of different things from a, a number of different people and especially how populated and how, how thriving our Chinatown here is in, in uh, Philadelphia. But I kind of wanted to go back a little further. So I, I kind of brightened it out with my um, haiku there. And as we know, haiku comes from Japan. So um, just a nice, a beautiful tie-in with that. But for, for the month I wrote, building railroads too. Connect an infant country with food, art, and life. Building railroads, too. 
connect an infant country with food, art, and life in Udo Haiku. That's what I have for the week. The awesome part about your haikus, Justin, are that they may be brief, but they always leave us with a lot to think about. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you for having me. Be sure to give Justin a follow on Twitter at Justin Udo for all of his haiku work and, of course, his great reporting for KYW News Radio. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Brian Seltzer. I'm Sabrina Boyd Circa. We are going to be off for Memorial Day on Monday, taking a long weekend. We hope that you're able to do that as well. Get some rest, have a great weekend, and we will see you on Tuesday. <laughs>